0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful. Dear listeners, you are listening to the Voice of Islam Radio from the Beth Fatou Mosque in London, Morden. With me today, I am joined with um, Ali Khan, Brother Ali Khan. And we will be, uh, we've got two segments today. Um, The first segment, the topic of the first segment is plans to raise um, the smoking age in the UK. Is this the best way to help people quit smoking? And um, after that, we'll be going on to the second segment, which, uh, which is about can you really stay fit by just working out on the weekends now before we get to those um we'll be going over the 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 headlines of the news today and um assalamu alaikum uh are, are you there
1: assalamu alaikum good morning how are you i'm Why, good is you
0: okay alhamdulillah how are you
1: yeah alhamdulillah i'm very very good thank you I'm very good the uh, uh beautiful it's a beautiful morning today weather-wise so i'm in good spirits the um i'd, I'd never ironically i never um thought i'd be saying living in the uk that i'm relieved that the temperatures <laughs> today are it's, uh, it's only in it The yeah, temperatures are only going to be in their 20s yeah um which is you know yeah, um, yeah well, just especially,
0: shows especially with the the uh, high temperatures that we had in the last <laughs> couple of days today we've had a nice um Uh, it's it's, it's a cool start compared to the last week, especially.
1: I don't know where you were on Tuesday evening. I was in London. Yeah, on Tuesday evening, um, where I live, which is just out in the surrey Hampshire border, all of a sudden, there was a a cool breeze. Oh, really? Um, It it became cloudy, there was a cool breeze, there was actually a spot of rain and um, you should have seen the reaction from the kids. It was... it was almost like they were celebrating the Eid. 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 Come right. Right. <laughs> so
0: I mean, we've yeah. never seen kids celebrating rain in the UK, right? No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's quite ironic. Um, yeah, look,
1: the weather today um, is. It's most of England will be cloudy with some light showers, but the southwest will be mainly sunny. Elsewhere, there will be patchy cloud, sunny spells, and the odd spot of rain in the northwest. Um. Forecast for tomorrow is that Western Britain will see further sharp showers. These, uh, those, these are possible, possibly heavy in the south, but sunshine will start to develop from the south in the afternoon and it will be dry with sunny spells um, in Northern Ireland. And the outlook for the weekend is it will become unsettled and breezy to the north and west with outbreaks of rain pushing in from the southwest. But the southern and eastern areas will remain drier with the best of the sunshine and the southeast will be very warm. That is pretty much i mean temperatures we're looking at hovering around maximums of 25 degrees in the southeast so still very nice weather in the southeast um looks like the weather in the north northwest is going to be more rainy that's that's more of a traditional british forecast for this time of
0: year yeah 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 indeed and yeah yeah and um i guess we're all going to be happy uh, at least it's not reaching up to forty again, and it's going to stay at twenties. Because, to be honest, uh, the, the the temperature at, at the twenties to twenty fives is actually amazing. It's what we can enjoy. After that, it gets too much for us.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it it does. But I do I, I do have to say about that I was um not a little bit frustrated as how much of a big deal it, we. It was being made of um, Mm. the temperatures on monday and tuesday it's like it's like when we have an inch of snow all of a sudden the country comes to a standstill yeah and it's all you know we're not prepared and and you know there's problems on the roads and airports are closing and you know schools are talking about closing and i mean you know even on the the tuesday when i went to pick up my kids from school you know I, i noticed that half the children Hadn't even been, hadn't even gone to school. They'd stayed at home, worried about mm-hmm. the heat, or maybe their parents had just taken them to the beach. I, I don't know, but you know, it's like it's like um, the country just comes to a standstill when there's a slight variation in the weather. And I think that with, you know, whether you believe that it's due to climate change or not, um, in my mind, obviously it is but we are going to see more extremes of weather and yeah. we, we really need to learn to be more prepared and for life not to stop when yeah. it, when we get snow or when it gets a bit too hot, you know, because
0: yeah, um, indeed. indeed,
1: we're both from parts of the world. Um, and I, 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 you know, I do go to the Middle East on a regular basis for work as well. At the moment, you, you know, you see temperatures of 40 degrees on a regular basis and life doesn't stop. I mean, you know, in in Pakistan, you know, we also know and and many parts of Africa, they don't have air conditioning and, and cooling systems on all the time in all places either, right? Yeah. But life goes on. So yeah. it, I think it's something we need to be become better at handling.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And we will do. Um as as uh time goes on, um hopefully we'll 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 be better at understanding and how to cope with it as well at the same time. And hopefully Um, just how other countries have introduced uh, there's like in other countries there are ACs in houses which is a normal thing Uh, there'll probably be a time where you know um, there won't be central heating there'll be AC and the AC will be doing the heating and the cooling at the same time Uh, you never know (laughs) Um, yeah 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 yeah.
1: as long as it's powered by solar power or wind power (laughs) we'll be okay and I think at the moment the way our energy security is going yeah um, you know that, that. I mean, that's that's another issue, isn't it? That yeah, you know all of yeah. these systems require um, a significant amounts of power, and uh, such is the situation in the world right now. I mean, um, our energy security is one of the the big big uh, talking points and debating points. That's uh, at at the heart of the. Uh, Tory party leadership race at the moment, yeah. and you know the elect, you know the election for who's going to be our next prime minister, along with the economy um, and how the economy is going to recover, um, or how the economy is going to, you know, be. Um, it, it's going to go be going through its difficulties over the next few years. How that Tory, how that Tory leader um, who's seeking election is, is is pitching how they will manage the economy. How they'll manage our economic uh, insecurity, how they'll manage our energy insecurity, and how they'll, um, you know, um, stay on top of the problems that we have in our public services. Those are the the key topics um, that are being debated. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I think that there's. I'm feeling a little bit of fatigue actually. You know, I felt that fatigue during the Brexit um, debate, and, mm. and then we had the vote. You know you felt that fatigue, yeah the first time that trump was that donald trump was elected in the u s um and th- those elections probably again you felt that fatigue when we were waiting for the result of of, of the American elections with biden and trump um you know the, this is what happens isn't it that the, these political news stories um they they hit the headlines um and then they, they they seem to go on forever. And I think this leadership debate is gonna go on forever because now we've had the candidates go from five to two. They were down to the final two. Well actually it was seven or eight to begin with. Now it's down to the final two. It's still gonna go on all summer. Yeah. And um, and these two candidates in particular, um, I think it's gonna be quite close. But
0: um Yeah, so um these two candidates that you're talking about, um um, Rishi Sunak and and Liz Truss, mm. they're 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 in the race to be the next prime minister, and um, just um, looking at a uh, um, a headline from 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 the news today is that uh, Miss Miss Truss overturned Miss uh, Morden's narrow lead in the final vote among Tory MPs, securing a place in the runoff by 113 votes to 105. She will now go head-to-head with Mr. Sunak, who topped the final ballot with 137 votes. The winner will be decided by a vote among Conservative Party members. Foreign Secretary Ms. Truss secured her place after a large surge in support, picking up 27 votes in the 24 hours since the last round while Ms. Morden only gained 13. The two had been scrambling to secure the backing of MPs who had backed Kemi, who was knocked out in Tuesday's vote. Former Tory leader Ian Duncan Smith, a trust supporter, said her campaign had come with momentum at the end. He added that her stance on post-Brexit regularity reforms and plans to help those on low incomes had convinced colleagues to back her. The campaign for Mr Sunak, the, the former Chancellor, Said his 137 votes were a really strong result with clear mandate from MPs. Speaking to broadcasters, he had he said he had humbled, he was humbled to be in the final two, and said he was best placed to beat Starmer at the next election. Trade minister ran a campaign emphasizing her support for Brexit and her ability to win Labour-held seats for the Tories. Although she briefly served in in uh, Theresa May's cabinet, she has only held one more junior positions under Mr Johnson and has boosted her profile considerably, having started as one of the lesser known candidates. Well, um, with that, brotherly, we could obviously, um, well, w- whatever happens in in regards to the next prime minister, you know, we can just pray that. Um, May May God Almighty um, bring up bring bring in bring in someone who can um, help the country and and um, make betterment for the for, for, for everyone.
1: I think the the thing that frustrates me most at the moment is you know we you know we've we've talked a lot on this show about the need for justice in society. And the need for leaders to be honest, and for the need for uh, leaders to show integrity, and yeah. because that's key, right? And it's something that His Holiness Hazrat uh, the you know the, the Caliph, the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, is something he talks about. His Holiness talks about regularly in you know in the annual peace symposiums as well. That one of the reasons why. The world is in such a perilous state, is because people aren't happy with the leaders. Hmm. People feel as though their um, leaders aren't being honest with them, and they're not showing integrity. And that's that's a, a big thing at the moment. And, and so, integrity in politics was the reason why Boris Johnson resigned in the first place. But what you've got now is what you've got now is you've got two candidates for to replace somebody who's resigned. For reasons of integrity, you've got two candidates where their own integrity is, is in is in huge question because mm. they're essentially denying um, what they're essentially doing is is they're, they're questioning everything that the Tory Party has done in government in the last two years. You know um, they're, they're, you know they're questioning. You know, uh, Liz Trust is saying that essentially the economy has been run really badly right? And that's the government that she served under, under the supervision of the Prime Minister that she supports. Someone has, one of the Tory leadership candidates said that the public services, our public services, are in a mess. Now, this is something that is argued every week at Prime Minister's Questions, you know, where the Labour accuse, you know, Labour accuse um, the Conservatives of the economy being run badly, and that our public services being a mess, and and the you know uh, Boris Johnson's there every week denying it. Um, yet you know what you've got. Yet, yet what you've got now is you've got a situation where the leadership candidates are essentially admitting that everything that's been said over the last two years, um everything they've been saying in the last two years, is is not true. Either that, or they're being disingenuous now. So you know it doesn't do much to restore faith in politicians right now. And young people, young people, especially um, need to have faith in politics. Society has become more and more divisive and, 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 and and a lot of people are losing faith in their leaders. And it's a very dangerous moment in history when that happens, as we've seen in the past, because when people become disillusioned with leadership, they take action into their own hands that Mm. can lead to civil, that can lead to civil unrest, And again, his Holiness, um, the fifth Caliph of the Muslim community, he, you know, His Holiness has warned about this as well. So, you know, we are. It feels like at the moment, the you know, the, there's a lot of instability around um, in, the, in the world. There's political instability, there's economic instability, and it's really, really our, what our leaders do now is crucial, yeah. absolutely crucial. What they do, it feels like we are. Um, on the edge of a cliff and um really you know we pray when we pray to god almighty um we, we you know essentially we're I, we're I mean you'll you'll tell me how best to pray but I, i'd imagine we're praying that god helps humanity save itself from itself
2: mm.
1: you know because essentially it's it's you know we're we're doing this to ourselves aren't we it's,
0: yeah it's, 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 and, and... it's
1: all man-made or all, 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 all a lot of disasters People, people ask why, you know, why does what you know why does God permit yeah, suffering, yeah. And why do natural disasters happen? Why does poverty happen? Why do wars happen? You know, doesn't God love us? Well, actually, all of those are self-inflicted. Yeah,
0: yeah, indeed, and it's our responsibility as well. At the same time, that um, we should be praying for those uh, in power and 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 for the leaders. Um, that you know may they be guided may they work for the betterment of of their country for their people and not just for their um, own means because that's what happens isn't it um, you end up seeing your own benefits and you end up seeing that yeah no one's there to question you and um, but yeah you need to be as, as a leader um, you need to be a role model for everybody else and in that sense we right now have a leader for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the the fifth the fifth caliph Azam Mirza Masroor Ahmad his helper and we should we should try to follow in his uh, steps and his prayers how he prayers for uh, all the countries and how he prayers for the leaders and then how he prayers for his community as well at the same time so you know at the end of the day what we can do is we can pray
1: yeah there are, there is, there is some more positive news, um, you know, on the horizon. Yeah. Um, on the, in, in the in the headlines. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try and find something. Um, you know, there are there is there was some good news. Actually, I'll I'll I'll, I'll save that. Okay. I'll save that for the end of I'll save that for the end of the news roundup. But some of the other news items um, are um, that Tesla um, has sold most of its um, bit. Tesla has sold most of its Bitcoin holdings. Uh, mm-hmm. Tesla, which made waves last year when it revealed a major investment in Bitcoin, has now sold off most of its holdings of the cryptocurrency. The electric car maker said it had offloaded 75% of its Bitcoin, which was worth about $2 billion at the end of 2021. It is backing away as the value of cryptocurrency has plunged, falling by more than 50% this year. Tesla said it bought traditional currency, um, almost a billion pounds of the traditional currency from its Bitcoin sales. Tesla boss Elon Musk has been among the most high profile champions of cryptocurrency with his pronouncement on social media, often driving significant trading activity. Tesla's $1.5 billion investment in Bitcoin revealed in February 2021 prompted a surge of demand in the currency. The price of the notoriously volatile currency soared last year to almost 70,000 in November before crashing. One bitcoin now trades for less than twenty-five thousand dollars. I mean, my when well I read this, right, I just I remember the warnings that um, were given to us, uh, specifically members of the community, where um, His Holiness Sultan Mizan Muhsin Muhammad Al-Sultan hand, um, you know, our, our um, fifth, fifth caliph and, and essentially our spiritual father warned us against getting involved in cryptocurrency, talking about its volatility, right? That's right. And you can see here that, you know, through kind of social media-driven popularity, social media-driven kind of frenzy, Yes. Yeah. just because someone hugely, hugely influential like Elon, Elon Musk, Musk yeah. has bought a huge amount of cryptocurrency that drove the price up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And what people... What what those poor people don't see is that the only person people the only people that benefited was the people that drove the price up in the first place, yeah. because they were already holding they're already holding it. Yeah. And as soon as the value got too high enough, they've they've dumped it. They've made their money, and now now the price has crashed.
0: Yeah. And now, I don't
1: understand cryptocurrency, but I understand enough that concept to yeah. know that it's
0: you it's know, not safe. It's,
1: it's it's not safe and it's just a way of the rich getting richer. To be honest yeah. with you, it yeah.
0: seems to be. Yeah, and then obviously at the same time it makes the poor poorer because because mm-hmm. when someone decides to 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 invest into into cryptocurrency, they think they think that oh yeah we're gonna make it because how Bitcoin and and Dogecoin and how they all um, boomed right uh, how they yeah. how they went so sky high they're, they skyrocketed um they imagine that that's what's going to happen to the to the currencies that they buy but unfortunately that's not what happens and uh, even i know uh, plenty of people who who invested their let's say life savings into into cryptocurrency and uh, you, you can, <coughs> on, uh, yeah and then they, they they didn't get anything back in fact they lost all of their uh savings which 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 obviously was what they saved and what was f- the future for their family as well at the same time so it's very sad you were going to say something Are
1: you you're going to have to help me out a little bit here because I neither have ever used TikTok or Instagram. But okay. The next story is about TikTok and Instagram. You know, I need to help me out.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. I've got you.
1: <laughs> but more teenagers are turning away from traditional media outlets and getting their news from social media. New research from Ofcom has shown the number of people consuming news content on TikTok has increased from 800,000 in 2020 to 3.9 million in 2022. For the first time, Instagram is the most popular news source among younger people, used by 29% of teens in 2022, with TikTok and YouTube close behind. But print TV and radio news outlets still dominate in older age groups. The growth in news consumed via TikTok is being driven mainly by younger age groups, half of users consuming news on the platform are age 16 to 24. The number of people consuming news via the video sharing platform is now similar to the number using the Sky News website and the app Ofcom says. TikTok users who took part in the study said they get more of their news from other people they follow, 47% from uh, news organizations' own accounts. See, this is, this is really interesting, right? Because I guess this is where some people argue that there's a huge amount of misinformation at the moment, which leads to more extreme political views and more polarized society and I think that it's unfair to say that people who follow social media um, news on social media where they're literally just following the same news outlets which Mm. other people might be reading a newspaper or might be watching the news it's those same news outlets that are you know that are posting the news on the social media that's not misinformation um, or that's no more in misinformation than we've always had, yeah. Because we're we're we're, we're we for 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 a hundred years we've been trusting what Fleet Street is telling us, yeah. Um, but you know it's no more misinformation. But I guess the difference is when your whole social media stream is influenced by your views by the type of people that you follow, and I think then you get a slightly unbalanced version of the news. Hmm. Is that is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is. Um, it's all about your algorithm and, and what your search history is. And depending on the type of content that you search and what you go on, that's what pops up more for you. Um mm. in especially in, in, in on TikTok, um and, and even Instagram. And they're both the, so both these things at least like especially TikTok, it's you make a short video and um you can you can um upload it and anywhere Anyone in the world can see it, right? There's no like filter unless you have like your privacy uh, settings on. Um, but other than that, it's it's literally just just videos. And I do know uh, a lot of people that they a lot of youth they they don't watch the news, they don't turn the telly on, they don't go on BBC News, and they don't even search it. And all they do is they follow they follow the the mainstream uh, social media websites, the the accounts. And mm. and um they take their information from there. And to be honest, um it is pretty much everything that that you're gonna find in the papers, right? Um there's nothing that is gonna get missed or any, any of the main details which are gonna get missed. Um so in that sense it's I don't know, I don't think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with, with the fact that um the teens are turning to uh social media for news. What do you think?
1: No, I mean, it's like I said before, right? I mean, look, it's the same as some people would suggest that the Daily Mail hmm. was um, a very right wing newspaper that's biased, that was, for example, biased towards Boris Johnson and his government. Right. Hmm. Some people would suggest that certain newspapers, like the Sun or the Mirror, um, you know, present a very biased version of the news um so you know it's the same as going into a shop and picking up a very right wing or a very left-wing newspaper but like you could say you know i'm sure people who are on the right of their political persuasions would would complain that people who read the guardian and in the independent and the eye you know they're also um consuming media that's Uh, consuming their news from a biased news source right so i think you're right i think we have to get over this thing that social media is just bad okay um and indeed you know again you know we're so fortunate that we have a spiritual and a religious leader a global leader for muslims um, our caliph um who of the Ahmadiyya muslim community that advises us on all matters and even His Holiness has said the same thing. His Holiness has, has said it's not that social media in itself is bad, it's how it's used, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so consuming your news on social media, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the same as whether you pick up a right-wing newspaper or a left-wing newspaper, whether you go and, what you know, whether you switch on Fox News in, in, in the US or go to a more um, Democrat-leaning um, um, TV station. Oh. And, 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 you know, so, it it's, it's that's not the issue. I guess the issue is then, like you said about algorithms and who you follow and who you're influenced by. That if you that if you the, the way that misinformation spreads is is that when a, when people of a particular political inf, uh, persuasion or ideology are fed a piece of inform- misinformation that spreads like wildfire. And and that can cause damage to society, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, for example, you know, one can argue it it kind of caused Brexit. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of misinformation, um, you know, led people to believe. Led people to, to, my personal opinion, a lot of misinformation led to people voting to for Brexit, Brexit. You know, yeah. um, I I'm, we, I'm not saying that at all. All Brexit supporters were you know were were, were racist or anything else like that, but but some people in this country who are racist were led to believe that Brexit served their agenda. Yeah. You know, and actually, ironically, and this is such, I love the irony of this, right? That the field that I work in is, is training and recruitment and and, and, and looking at the skills gaps in the UK and how industries are now trying to um, address the urgent need in the job market. Right now, because so many Europeans went home, back home to the countries where they originally came from as a result of Brexit, a lot of UK industries are now looking to Pakistan and India for more labour supply.
0: Right, right.
1: So we're going back to the 60s and 70s, where Pakistanis and Indians were coming here to fill skill gaps.
0: Yeah, so they're going to come here and... And
1: And essentially we're going to end up with more people (laughs) from an ethnic diversity... Yeah whereas whereas actually what we had here were more europeans before yeah so europeans are going back and they're being replaced by people who are coming from the african subcontinent asian subcontinent and and this is why you know germany essentially pulled a masterstroke when they let in 100,000 syrian refugees because they knew that there'd be they knew that in their own society their own workforce wouldn't do x number of x number of jobs yeah and, and and they would need to get people in from outside and and, and they've done it in a humanitarian way they've, they've they've given people a better life they've given them housing they've given them benefits they've they've given them skills they've got them work ready and now you are benefiting uh, them, yeah yeah a lot of, in yeah, in, in people both ways
0: they they're, they're being benefited and and so are, are they from from both sides
1: yeah,
0: yeah. um did you have any any um other news to bring forward
1: yeah look there there's 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 another piece of good news. Okay. Um there's it's it's um I'm a big I'm a big football fan. Okay. Um I'm not. And uh, are you not? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind while I have this conversation. But I'm a big football fan and I I I have I have three daughters uh, by the grace of God. I tried to get them interested in football. Okay. None of them were interested in football. And then, so, I, I, I would have, you know, I, I tried to get them interested in football by following women's football. Okay. Because the professional women's game, when they showed no interest in the football that I watch, which is men's football, I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll be interested in women's football. That didn't work either. So essentially, what I'm saying is, is that I don't watch or stay in touch with what's happening in women's football. However, at the, at the moment, um, there is a major tournament happening um, uh, in women's football. And it's Euro 2000, it's it's Euro 22. The same way that last year, uh, in the same way that um, we had Euro 2020 um, played last summer um, as a result of the COVID pandemic. This summer we've got Euro 2022, which is uh, the women's uh, European international kind of tournament. And uh, England had reached the quarterfinals. The England team had reached the quarterfinals and last night they played Spain and they beat Spain 2-1 after extra time. Um, it was an absolutely um, brilliant goal okay. uh, that, 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 that won the game. And I, I saw the highlights afterwards and, you know, the, the emotion as a sports fan, as a football fan, you see of someone scoring an amazing goal and it winning a game and that kind of, you know, um, it, it elicited that same reaction. Um, hmm. And I think that over the next uh, four weeks, I think you're going to see more and more people taking interest
0: in in, in the women's, women's
1: football. Yeah, and and hopefully the England team will go all the way. They're in the semi-finals. If they get to the final, and and I you know I dare say if they if they win it, I think it will do a lot. I think it will raise the profile um, for women's football. Yeah. Um, to a huge extent in this yeah, country, yeah, and
0: yeah, and then we will have uh, plenty more people that can come forward and um, enjoy, uh, you know, uh, playing football. Obviously, for the for the, for the women's.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and, and you know, in the same way as you can see, you know, I I tried to get my my girls interested in um, in the game, and and they did, and you know, they didn't. One of the reasons they didn't is because they always see on tv is men playing football right and
0: yeah
1: so what you've got here is you've got you've got youngsters being inspired young you know you, you've got young um hopefully you've got uh young girls being inspired uh being inspired to play um to play football um at a young age you get into it yeah. because you know um, sport is an avenue that can actually um, do a lot for our, our youth, and and in the same way, it can keep boys off the streets and getting up to no good. It can keep girls away from influences that are not healthy for them. Yeah. Um. So I think I think I think it's important. I think that um, you know, sport generally is good for kids. Yeah. And I, and, and these tournaments, see, and and you know, children, young children have. Develop role models in sport, and if they see, you know, a women's football team doing really well and them being receiving adulation from the whole of the UK and everyone getting excited about England's progression in this tournament, I think will inspire the next generation of of young uh, female footballers, and I think that that can only be it can only be a good thing.
0: Yeah, now and obviously, it's um, as you said, um, there should be more activities. Well, not more activities, but we should actually bring the youth forward to to actually um sporting football and watching football more. Um or not just football, just just sports in general so that they have more activities to do. They it, it helps them in, in many ways, it helps them, like you said, it from from many of the wrong things that they shouldn't be going towards. For example, we've got the next segment which is we're gonna be talking about smoking. Um I would say, you know, staying physically fit is one of the ways um to keep our youth away from from uh, these kind of things as well but um i guess that kind of brings us towards the end of the new segment Is yep. that, is that right yeah
1: yeah yeah i think okay. we've, i think we've, we've, we've uh, okay so we done the new segment justice this morning
0: okay that's good uh, thank god um we'll go on to a um we're going small to break. A, a, a small break and then we'll come back and we'll start with the next segment so uh dear listeners Uh, Do keep listening Thank
2: you
0: You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet
3: 24 hours a day
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, seven merciful, dear listeners, you are listening to the Voice of Islam radio from the Baath of two Mosque in Morden. Um, if you want to hear your opinion or join us, then do feel free to call us um, on 20 868 or feel free to message us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK. Now we will be um, continuing to the first segment of the show which is plans to raise smoking age in the UK. Is this the best way to help people to quit smoking? Now the gist of the story is that is that um, th- there are plans to raise smoking age to 21 to be unveiled amid UK government splits. Plans to raise the legal smoking age to 21 and place new taxes on tobacco companies amid splits in government over the radical re- recommendations. So, the what we have to look at here is what the um, effects are W- w- how is how is smoking affecting the the the, the youth today, and um, brother Ali, if you could, um, w- w- what do you think? How what is what is it? How are how are um, the how is the youth getting introduced to smoking? Why why is it that kids are so easily able to to get their hands onto cigarettes and or other stuff and start um, using them?
1: Look, um, I think, uh, first of all, you know, we've seen this um, debate and we've seen this um, situation change a lot over the last 20, 25 years. I, I certainly remember growing up as a kid, seeing a lot of TV personalities, um, a lot of movie stars, um, Smoking on screen, yeah,
3: hmm. I,
1: uh, uh, and and that's been the case for decades, right? And I remember seeing, you know, I used to be a big Formula One fan, okay. and you know, my favorite teams, you know, that you know, my favorite teams, favorite cars, growing up, you know, the the, the cars were covered in tobacco company advertising, Marlborough, Benjamin Hedges, um, so. think Marlborough was Ferrari um, or McLaren, But anyway, um, that, you know, um, advertising, TV advertising as well, um, that, you know, was um, basically banned Hmm. Um, in, you know, I can't remember exactly when, but it was banned probably around, um, you know, the late 90s or, or the early noughties. And and, and and the risk you know figures suggest that that has had an impact that did have an impact because that was you know that's about how smoking is kind of glorified yeah um and how youth are impressionable youth are um you know are are kind of attracted to smoking because it's kind of glorified in the media um that that that's that that's that, that's the concept right yeah you know and and we've seen we've seen that that uh, change uh, over those last few decades now what we're seeing now then we we, we also saw warnings on cigarette packets so that everyone, anyone and when one picks up a cigarette packet, the cigarette packet says in massive massive wording right that smoking kills, smoking can harm your baby, smoking can cause lung cancer. You know, we've seen all of that as well. Um, that again had a big it had a significant impact in terms of the number of people smoking or the, the amount of people were smoking. So, you know, you've had all of these things. Um and, and some of these some of these changes these changes they, they do work. Um, you know, they, they they do work, they do have an impact. Um now, the smoking age has been sixteen. Um for a long time, um, and and this this plan that the government have is to raise the smoking age to uh, twenty one, um, and 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 place new taxes on tobacco companies, um, but the government is split over this. Hmm. Now, the, the the lobbying power that tobacco companies still have is huge. Um, and you know, and, and you can imagine why the government would be would be would be split. Um, the delayed review um, um, by Javed Khan, the former chief executive of Bernardo's, is going to be released on Thursday. It was commissioned by the health secretary at the time, Sajid Javid. Khan has denied speculation by some sources that the review's delay is down to pushback from ministers and said there had been extra work to do, and challenges with the government grid have also played a part in its delay. However, The Guardian understands there is scepticism around government about changes to the legal age limit, as well as further tax rises. The plan is likely to go out to consultation after the details are released. You can see that there's a debate within government about what's the relative benefit of increasing the age limit and increasing taxes. As a way of responsibly curbing um, the number of people that smoke and the health impact of of, of, of negative health impact of smoking. Just further from this story, one industry source said the early version of the review has been very radical, including a tobacco levy and an option to consider the New Zealand approach of increasing the purchase age by a year each year, with an aim to totally ban tobacco sales. Um,
0: Brother Ali, sorry, I'm just going to ask you to pause there for a second. We have um, we have a guest with us uh, on hold at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Brother Rahimuddin is here. He wants to talk about um, this topic as well. Brother, are you there? Maybe some and blessings for Allah be upon you.
3: Okay yeah, I'm here. Okay, so, fine. all it was is, I know you've probably discussed a lot of this, but I just simply wanted to say, obviously the key question here was, plans to raise the smoking age in the UK, is this a way to reduce smoking? Uh, yes, definitely is a way to reduce smoking. Additionally, we need all of the other bits, you know, to deter people from smoking. First, we have to look at what smoking is. you probably already covered, you know, reduce the average lifespan, smoking is tobacco. It's a plant which ultimately what we want, we want to seize it all together. You know, that's the ultimate goal for this so how do we do that we go by education we go by enforcement we go through regulation and you know we ultimately as i say have it all together so you know that's really what i want to cover and you know we we looked at what it is white battery and how we can minimize smoking so that's really all i wanted to say today is um no, that, i think it can happen
0: yeah yeah uh, and and that's that's good um i mean what else do you think there is that Um, they could do. Maybe you can share some more of your opinions in in how the government could help the youth. What other activities should they do and how should they pursue them? What's your opinion, brother?
3: Lots of other things. You know, really what we want to do is divert the people from this habit so we do other well-being activities because ultimately what it is is some people do it for very really different reasons, you know, maybe the status, maybe to be in the group, maybe to feel good when they're outside, etc. So we have to then promote what is good. What is good is looking after yourself, healthiness, you know, physical exercise, healthy eating. But these things, ultimately the environment, when they're out there, we look at maybe growing plants, growing good food, potatoes, onions, etc. There's so many activities we can do, volunteering in the local borough, um, there's a lot we can do, and obviously I know it starts from a younger age, from school age. Mm. So as I say, it comes down to you know enforcement regulation. Yes, definitely smoking—a way to reduce it. We have to increase the age, and then uh, ultimately but, educate the
1: youth. But you know, um, thank you for for calling in. It's really great to have you on on the show. Um, you know, the, the you know what what we've had in the last few years. You know, I think the question I, I'd like to ask you is: Do you think? banning smoking for between the age of 16 to 21, do you think that will reduce the amount of youngsters that smoke? Or do you think that, well, you know, youngsters will continue to get hold of cigarettes anyway? I mean, you, see, you see 13, 14 year olds smoking, right? Um, and I, what we've also seen in the last kind of few years is a movement away from smoking and youngsters are more kind of getting into vaping, which is seen as being, a slightly safer way of of of, of, of you know, achieving the same uh, aim, which is you know uh, which is you know um, getting that kind of nicotine hit, having that sense of inhaling and exhaling and, and looking cool and all of that sort of thing. And I guess that all of those factors are uh, in play here. In that, will youngsters will will more young will this prevent youngsters from taking up smoking music by, by outlawing it, or do you think it will glorify it more? Like, See, example, there will you know,
3: definitely drugs. be elements of smoking going on, no matter what we do, if we put the bans in place or we don't put the bans, Ultimately, it is the education. It's the way, in a loving way, the good way, what we showed, uh, maybe, you know what, it could be what the plant is growing, when, it, how it grows. The whole background into smoking is the fact of plant, where it grows, how it grows. You know, going through that whole cycle, then it gives an education to the youth and then the effects of it, you know, the effect, we know the effects, we know the ill effects, we know that it has on the individual and the other people around them. So um, I think what it's an it's a multifaceted thing, it's not just simply enforcement, it's regulation, is education. It's those three key areas really. What what made you call
1: in today? What's your what's your personal stake in this? May I oh, passionate <laughs> about this subject?
3: <laughs> yeah. What it was is actually when I'm out and about, I, I've seen something related to smoking. Maybe it's the ether because I don't know. But I'm seeing lots of other things, these um, cylinders on the floor, because I tend to, I'm quite into sustainability. I'm a passionate advocate of sustainability in general. Um, mm-hmm. So when I see these cylinders and things on the floor, I was thinking, what is this? And I looked into it and it was something, it's something related. This is another addiction I think is laughing gas, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking there's lots of addictions out there. Smoking is one historical one. And then when I heard the topic, it actually made me funny because I I feel that, yes, it is definitely bad for you. It's an addiction. It's something we need to address. We can't just brush it under the carpet. And it's it's those areas where we can actually then um, discuss these topics where people can hear in. Maybe, you know what? It's, it's probably one of those things where when we do try to put the age banner and everything, people then get inquisitive. They want to experiment. They want mm-hmm. to test. But the thing is, having that understanding that it will actually cause a, a drastic ill effect if you get addicted to smoking, if you get addicted to this. That's the key thing. We don't want anybody to even, well, we don't want people to try it. But if they do, then they don't get addicted to it. You know, they come off it. And ultimately, the Main thing here is that we don't want cigarettes. We don't really want these type of, um, uh, you know, items out there, which cause adverse effects to individuals. So that's that's really you well, know, my, my
0: point. Yeah. Well, um, brother brother Rahim, um, thank you so much for calling in, taking time out, and sharing your your views um, with our dear uh, guests uh, and the listeners today thank you and uh, may Your peace best. and blessings of allah be upon you
3: thank you Take
0: thank you well my brother ali um that was uh, very nice of brother raheem to join us and and share his thoughts um yeah. in regards to smoking and, and and i believe that um it is mainly about the youth they they, they want to look cool and uh, fit in with 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 the um, the older generation and for some people it is actually a way of connecting with um with with well with let's say the the elder generation um i have seen that in in many instances um, but we'll, we'll 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 come back to this we'll um we'll be heading off to the the news round and after the news round, we'll we'll, we'll continue with this topic and we'll um go into it a bit more uh and dear co- uh, listeners do join us after the news round and we will be continuing uh, continue talking about plans to raise smoking age in the UK is it the best way to help people to quit smoking you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful dear listeners you are listening to the voice of Islam radio from the Beth mosque in Morden and this is the breakfast show Today, we are discussing um, uh, plans to raise smoking age in the UK. Is this the best way to help people to quit smoking? Now, if anyone would like to um, call in and um, share their opinion, then you may do so at 020 8687 7878, or you can um, message us at our social media handle at Voice of Islam UK. Now, coming back to, um, as Brother Ali was um, uh, explaining the whole article um, about um, plans to raise smoking in the UK, um, what was um, being said was that after um, the junking of parts of Johnson's obesity strategy, Javid has been keen to keep the target of making the UK smoke-free by 2030 which also has the potential to be ditched as a nanny state policy that Tory backbenchers oppose. In an interview before his review, Khan warned that the target to have just 5% of people smoking by 2030 would not be met without action from the government to restrict sales. There are 6 million smokers in England and tobacco use increased by 25% among the under-30s during the pandemic a rise of more than 600,000 smokers in that age bracket. Overall, rates have been falling for the past two decades to less than 15%. New Zealand has introduced a progressive ban on cigarette and tobacco sales, which means that anyone born after 2008 will not be able to buy the products. Gwyn, who has taken a close interest in the review, said it could be a missed opportunity for change, the conservative government appears to have have choked off their own public health agenda," he said. "So much for Health Week, um, brother. Ali, are you with me?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. And uh, you know, it's interesting. You, you know, we were talking about politics earlier on, and we were talking about mm. the leadership of the Conservative Party, and we were talking about integrity and everything else like that. And the implication here is that. Um, you know, uh, the implication here is is that Boris Johnson, in his last few weeks of being Prime Minister, is you know being encouraged to get rid of policies that aren't popular mm. with backbench MPs. Now, this you know there was a target to be completely smoke-free by 2030, yeah. and many backbench MPs see this as Britain being too much of a of a nanny state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. and
1: And controlling the way that we live our lives, and I don't have a particular view on on the whole nanny state thing um but I think that we know that smoking is extremely harmful we know yeah. that it's extremely harmful, we know that it kills we know that it 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 puts places a tremendous burden on our health service because of the effects of smoking and people who will then need treatment from the effects of smoking yeah so i I don't think that you know um raising i don't think i don't think raising taxes is the answer on it because you know we are going through a cost of living crisis Mm. and for those people who are addicted to smoking you know we don't want to you know um make their lives more miserable and, and, and 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 you know cause financial hardship but i think raising the legal limit to 21, I think it makes sense to discourage young people from smoking and to kind of further uh, give them the impression that smoking is is bad yeah, and it's yeah. not something that, you know, I, I think it will have a positive, I yeah. think it will have some sort of positive impact.
0: And as you were mentioning earlier that how, um, when you were growing up, there were, you know, all the famous people at that time, they were, especially on TV and ads, there were more images of, of smoking-related um, images right that, that were being seen, and obviously that mm-hmm. makes it kind of attractive and, and fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it literally can be found in everywhere in, 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 in movies, on TV, I mean, even in video games. Um, you know, on the internet, you'll see people just uh smoking and, and, and showing their, uh, that they've gone maybe even to a shisha lounge or, or, or whatever it is. Um, and and it's actually so easy to buy now you can buy cigarettes from everywhere and anywhere and, and even these um you know like you mentioned the them vape things and all them kind of things um you know you go to the to the petrol station to put some petrol in and and that's the only thing that you can see right there behind the cashier uh, so literally it's it's easy for anyone and everyone to to get their hands on them um so th- i think the main thing that needs to happen is that the advertising and and the marketing um, should be fixed up because that causes the youth and the young adults to actually start smoking.
1: Does it say anywhere in this news article that this would include vaping? Um, I'm guessing it would, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, I don't think it, it includes vaping anywhere. Mm. But it's just in general um, talking about the, um, the smoking and, and, and nicotine, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. going to be any 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 ban of sort well, on 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 vapes.
1: I mean, I think ultimately, you know, if if you know whether whether it, whether the intention is to include vaping or not in this legislation, I think ultimately you know, these you know that is that is another thing as well that young young people yeah. need to be discouraged from. I'm, I'm, I've seen you know the number of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds. Yeah. Uh, you know in the in the same way i saw i saw the, um children from that age group um being drawn into smoking um cigarettes
3: hmm. i'm
1: i'm seeing that same influence now with vaping where, you know that is that is the the bad thing that youngsters one of the bad things that youngsters like to do you know yeah. or they get attracted into in, into doing and i think that you know the health risks associated with vaping—we don't fully know them yet—and um, while there may be different risks to smoking cigarettes, I th- I th- I th- you know, I think it's, the dangers are still there. Um, so you know, we've talked about the, you know, the impact of smoking on young people. Um, we've, we've talked about that. We've talked about the, the dangers of smoking and the need to. For young people to be discouraged from smoking, and that legislation like this can help in that respect. Shall we look a little bit and talk? You know, talk a little bit about the kind of um, Islamic kind of view on this. Yes,
0: yes, indeed. And um, I mean, just just to get the ball rolling. I mean, mm. in 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 Islam, um, the the there are many uh, instances where. Um, the Quran, you know, guides us general guidelines and calls upon us to use our reason and intelligence and to seek guidance from Allah about what is right and wrong. So, um, just like that, in 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 the Holy Quran, the the holy book of Islam, in chapter seven, verse hundred and fifty seven, um, you know, God Almighty states, uh, "He, the Prophet, commands them what is just." and forbids them what is evil he allows them a lawful what is good and pro- uh, prohibits them from what is bad so um, obviously um, uh, from that time there wasn't smoking and cigarettes um, at the time of the of the of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him um, but he did in general give a ruling that anything that is bad for your health obviously is prohibited and that includes um all sorts of things, uh, including, you know, alcohol and um, all other uh, intoxications. So we should be, we, we, we are in intelligent enough, right, brotherly, that we know what is right and wrong, and we can give the reasoning. If someone wants to say, oh, no, because it wasn't said that smoking is prohibited in Islam, you know, right. But, you know, causing um, causing pain and, Causing your your own health to uh, deteriorate is is actually something which is prohibited in Islam. Also, um, just um, what we're going to do is we have a small clip from the fourth caliph of of Islam, Hazamirza Taahir Ahmad, and he um, he he explains the Islamic views and. About smoking and and alcohol, so we'll 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 play that small audio clip now.
4: Well, smoking is not uh, prohibited in the sense that uh, you, if you do it, you you commit a crime, religious crime. You commit a crime against yourself. This is the type of our attitude to smoking. It is not forbidden in in the Holy Quran or in the tradition, some people say because it was not invented at that time. But the Holy Quran does not prohibit things Uh, naming only this should be prohibited and that should be prohibited. It lays down the principle. Whatever comes under that general principle is prohibited. (coughs) There are so many ways of gambling which were not found in that time But the gambling, in essence, is described in a manner that whatever man can invent would also fall to that category. So, halal and haram, these are the terms, what is forbidden to you and what is not forbidden to you, is described in principles, And except for some times which are also named, particularly. So, the smoking does not fall under that general principle at all. This is why the founder of the Ahmadiyya community, when once he was asked, why don't you forbid your people to smoke and abstain from it with religious as a religious duty, he said, I am not a new prophet. I am a subordinate prophet, which means I follow the Qur'an and the tradition of the Holy Prophet of Islam, so I, uh, I can't invent anything new. So when he was confronted with the same question, it was not found in that time. He said, but the God in which you, in whom you believe knew what was to come. If that is the objection, then you, you should have objection against the existence of God and the objection against his pre-knowledge. Or abandon this religion. So, uh, well, he was naturally satisfied. Now, our attitude is to discourage smoking. And that is all in our town, Rabwa, it is discouraged not only individually, but we also dis- discourage it by telling people <coughs> not to smoke in public. Let it remain as an individual evil. Don't turn it into a social evil. Because the moment you begin to smoke in public, the youth would be attracted towards it, and they, they would think there is no taboo, there are no taboos, and so on. So. Uh, right from the childhood, they would be drawn into this habit. They would see the, the, the elders enjoying smoking you know in a manner that they, they, they were impressed by it. So this is what we do. But elsewhere we tell families to abstain from it because it's injurious to you yourself. It's, it's, it's not healthy. Wine and alcohol of course fall into the category which are forbidden very strictly forbidden. And although most of the Muslims coming from um, the East do not observe this uh, um, injunction of the Holy Qur'an, strictly speaking, or even loosely speaking, I think, generally indulge in drinking, the Ahmadis mostly do not. Occasionally some cases are reported to me of some Ahmadis who are indulging in drinking, but uh, that is a very rare exception. Mostly do not. And when they do, they try to hide this fact with the result that they remain limited within a certain, you know, measure. And they don't become alcoholics. <coughs> so they, they don't go beyond a certain limit because otherwise they would be known, every Ahmadi everybody, everybody would know that such a man is a drunker, is, 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 is uh, drinks because it's a very, very bad mark, so he would rather hide himself. And in so doing, sometimes they drift away from the community so completely that they are no longer our problem. They live a separate life of their own. They don't want to be uh, called upon by Ahmadis. They don't don't encourage um, relationship with other Ahmadis. So, the problem is solved by them
0: themselves. That, dear listeners, was uh, the answer from the fourth Caliph of, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, Hazam Mirza Tahir Ahmed, and which, 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 which explains um, Islam's use on smoking and, and drinking alcohol. Um, that brings us to the end of today's uh, first segment. Um, we'll be moving on to the second segment straight away which is can you really stay fit by just working out on the weekends now if uh, any of the dear listeners wants to call in and and share their thoughts uh, share their opinions then you can do at you can call in zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, 8687 or you can you can Send us a, a message, our social media handle, which is Voice of Islam U.K. We'll take a quick break, and we will um, come back to the show, and I hope you guys are interested to, to listen and, and to join me on this next segment. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, you are listening to the Voice of Islam Radio from the Batfutu Mosque in Morden if anyone would like to call in and share their opinion on the segment then you can do at 020-86-87-7878 or you can message us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK now the second segment of today is uh, can you really stay fit by just working out on the weekends Um, the, the article shows that A big burst of exercise at the weekend is as good as uh, spreading activity out across the week, according to a study. U.S. researchers tracked 350,000 people over 10 years to see how well so-called weekend warriors fared. The findings in the the JAMA Internal Medicine Journal suggest the type and total amount of exercise count rather than how many sessions. At least a hundred and fifty minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise is recommended. Um, Brother Ali, um can you can you uh give me a brief idea of what your exercise regime is? I was not to ask you the
1: same question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 thought, the same I thought
0: thing. I thought let me ward it off to him before he, he, he questions me. <laughs> right.
1: So I mean look, I find this really interesting because I have been. I try to stay. My, my at the moment my exercise um, regime simply is uh, once one cycle ride a, a week at okay. least, and one game of football a week at least. Like the game of football is normally on a Wednesday night. It's about 90 minutes. It's five aside. It's quite intense. And on the weekend, on a normally on a Saturday morning after the footy I, I get together with some friends and we go on a long bike ride. What I'd like to be able to do, and what I've been, I've been telling myself I must do, is to go out at least once during the week on the bike as well. Yeah. So that I'm exercising three times a week, and actually that will make my training better. They, you know, I, you know, I, when you're training yourself to be able to cycle long distances, they recommend a shorter ride during the week and a longer ride on the on weekend. The weekend, okay. But you know. I, I find this article really interesting because I, I sometimes criticize myself for not exercising twice a week at least. Hmm. Like for, for example, if I don't play football, then I'm only doing that one cycle ride, and I try to, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for three, three times a week. Okay. Now, so obviously, as I get older, I find it harder to recover from exercise, and, and you know, especially I played football last night. I'm actually, in, I'm in pain this morning, No, um, you know, um, and that, that, the, it's going to take me a couple of days before I'm ready to do any sort of exercise again. And, uh, you know, reading this article is interesting because it's, it's, it's basically saying that, look, um, even just um, being a weekend warrior and doing your 150, you know, the 150 minutes of, of, of moderate intensity exercise that's recommended every week spread out over the week. Actually, if you do that as an intense burst of activity over the weekend, it still has a similar benefit.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I think that's really that's good news for people who don't exercise enough during the week. That look, as long as you take, you know, two three hours out over the weekend and do something, could be a strenuous hike, it could be a cycle ride, it could be, you know, a, a, uh, I don't know, game of football or cricket or what have you. I'm going out for a run
0: but this is for people like me. me isn't it basically people who don't so, so enjoy on, enjoy doing tell me, tell sports. me about yourself <laughs> tell oh me about mate, there's yourself. there's nothing Direct to it. There's, there's nothing much to it my, mine is basically um i try to get my step count in for the day that's that's my only goal every single day um other than that it's I, i'm not i'm not a very um physically active person uh, i'm not physically fit uh you guys you like you actually are you're you're into football you into into sports like that. I, I do um, enjoy cycling, so I have I have um, uh, cycled a few times, but um, mainly for me, it's, it, it's it's about the walks, to be honest. Now, but uh, we will. I will be, um, you know, uh, taking taking heed, and um, I do try to go to the gym whenever
1: I find time. Yeah. At the, the same time, the thing with time. cycling, the thing with cycling is that cycling is easy to do in the summer yeah i find this myself right when the weather's nice you feel like going out on the bike yeah and going out in the mornings especially isn't as difficult because it's actually a really beautiful time of the day you know it's not too hot the sun you know the light is good um whereas in the winter motivating yourself to cycle when it's cold and it's wet and it's dark it's not only much harder but it's also not as safe so I, i would say that you know um Get out, you know, get out and about on your bike in the summer. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, well, while I have the time, I might as well do it, and and that's for everybody, not just for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, some people, some people are going to the gym suits. Some people, for me, I never enjoy the gym. It doesn't suit me. I like doing stuff that's outdoors, like Outdoor
0: biking. Stuff, yeah.
1: But again, you know, one of the things that I, I that could help me is if I could find a space. Um, having an exercise bike at home would help because I would get that shorter bike ride in during the week
0: yeah
1: and in the winter then you know you're, you can keep your cycling fitness up um, but you
0: can get you. I'm sure you can get one of them stands which um, you can you can place your your bike on and you can just do it at home right In you, you know what I'm talking about
1: yeah yeah you can I just um, at the moment like my I have a pull up bar chin up bar at home okay and that has that spends 90 of its, 90% of its time being a clothes hanger. I can a, imagine that happening with the exercise bike.
0: That's a Dizzy House thing, forward. isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So this, this article is really interesting um, from that perspective. Um, you know, The, the findings um, were in the, the GAMA, Internal Medicine Journal, suggests that the type and total amount of exercise count is more important rather than how many sessions at least 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise is recommended mm-hmm. going for a brisk walk a light effort cycle on a bike or playing doubles in tennis would count towards this or you could do and this is the interesting thing or you could do 75 minutes of vigorous activity something like running swimming or playing a game of football many of the participants in the us study clocked up this amount in a week but some crammed it into one or two sessions rather than spacing it out. And those who reached that recommended level of activity, whether it was during the week or fewer sessions on the weekend, had a lower death risk than those who did less than the recommended amount. Um, so that, you know, um, is, is essentially showing that, you know, even even I mean, something something that someone said to me, um, the the, the best piece of advice someone ever said to me was don't exercise so you can in- eat and enjoy your food. Eat your food, enjoy your food and eat so you can exercise. Um, mm. and, and, and that is, you know, the, the key to that, the, the essence there is see food as a fuel. And once your relationship with food is such that you see it as a fu- fuel and you ex- you are, you're, you're, you're eating so that you are able to exercise or so that you're able to, you're essentially putting enough fuel in, in the tank for your journey, whether that journey is a normal day or whether that journey is, you're going to, ex, you're going to do it, you know, an intense exercise and the night before or a few hours before you're having some food. That, 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 that is the best way of approaching life. Whereas the mistake I used to make was I love food. I'm a real foodie. And for me, I would, I would, do more exercise just so that I could um, uh, enjoy my food and enjoy the you know, enjoy a little bit of excess when it came to food afterwards. And what that means is, is that you then get into this vicious cycle where you need to exercise more to compensate for what you've eaten. And you end up having to exercise, then you're under pressure that you have to exercise three or four times a week. But as part of a, a balanced, moderate lifestyle where you are eating just as much as what you need to eat, which essentially is what is the is, is a, is a central teaching in Islam, right? Moderation.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, and the Holy Prophet, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taught us that through his own practice, that you only eat very moderately in terms of what you need and your yeah. relationship with food it should just be based on what you need. And if that's what you're doing, then actually 75 minutes of intense exercise once a week or 150 minutes of moderate exercise once a week is more than enough. Mm, yeah. It's more than enough.
0: No. Yeah, indeed it is. And um obviously the 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 practice depends on your on your age obviously. For example, the American Heart Association defines average intensity physical activity as activity that increases your heart rate to 50% to 70% of its maximum rate while strong physical activity is about 70% to 85% of the maximum rate but your target heart rate changes uh, as as your age 25 year olds have a higher target 100 to 170 beats per minute than 15 year olds uh, which is 80 to 145 beats per minute that means less severe exercise can can still make a big in- impact on the on the older you get so um obviously Sab, that doesn't mean that you need to be um, right now, think that yeah, I'm 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 still 18, I'm still 22, and I'm still um, gonna you know, I'm I'm not saying you're old or anything, but it you need to like remember that age means that you you don't need to do the same amount of workout, which uh, will be getting you the same amount of uh, heart heart rate as as it was before for you, and obviously as you age um, strength strength uh, training also becomes more important for for bone health. So um, obviously because you lose muscle mass as you get older. Now um, it's important to 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 understand how um, daily exercise can can have an impact on on your daily life as well. So exercise can make you feel happier and exercise can obviously help with with weight loss. Um, it's it's good for your muscles. It's good for your bones, and it can increase your energy levels. It can reduce your risks of chronic diseases, and exercise can help skin health. It can help your brain. Uh, it can bring it can help your brain health and memory, and exercise can help with relaxation and sleep quality. Dear listeners, we have a um, a pre-recorded uh, interview. Um, which we will be, we, we, we'll head off to that, and we'll we'll listen to what our guest had to say.
5: We're pleased to have the company of Kyla Thomas on the line with us. Kyla is a clinical director West of England Clinical Research Network (NIHR) for short. Uh, it's a pleasure to have her uh, with us. Thank you very much for coming on to speak to us, Kyla. Tell me, what is the NIHR, the National Institute for Health and Care Research? And what's what's your role in the organisation?
2: Okay, So I'm really, really pleased to be talking to you today. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say that the NIHR stands for the National Institute for Health and Care Research. um, And as an organisation, it funds, enables and delivers world-leading health and social care research that improves people's health and well-being and promotes economic growth. And the NHR is funded by the Department for Health and Social Care. So to summarise, the mission of the NHR is to improve the health and wealth of the nation through research.
5: Mm-hmm. And where you, where do you think your main challenges are in, uh, in your task?
2: So with respect to what I do, so I'll introduce myself again. Yes, uh-huh. I am a clinical director for one of the clinical research networks. So it's the Clinical Research West of England. And I'm also an associate professor in public health medicine. Mm-hmm. Personally, I've received funding by the NHR to do research on the effectiveness and safety of smoking cessation medicines and e-cigarettes as well. Right. Um, so I was really quite interested to speak to you today um, as you want to talk about um, kind of, you know, changing the legal age of smoking and, and share a little bit about my thoughts and views on that.
5: Okay. So what, in your view, uh, can be done to prevent people from starting to smoke?
2: All right. And I think that's a really, really important question. And before I go and answer your question, I just wanted to make some points about smoking. So we know that smoking kills. It's the main cause of preventable death in the UK. It's responsible for causing many types of cancers, as well as lung and heart disease. And it causes poor outcomes for mothers who smoke and their babies. So we've had this evidence that smoking is deadly and harmful for a really long time. We also know that smoking is the major cause of health inequalities that exist across our nation. So I think it's really important, so going back to your question, to say that most people who smoke started smoking when they were teenagers. Mm -hmm. Also, if you grew up with parents who smoke and or you have friends who smoke, then you're much more likely to start smoking than those who don't. So we know that smoking kills. We know that if you um, started smoking as a teenager, you're more likely to start smoking. And um, if you have parents who smoke as well. Now, nicotine is extremely addictive, and nicotine is found in cigarettes. And actually, it's really much, much harder to quit smoking without help than to stop using drugs like cocaine or heroin. And I think a lot of people don't realize how addictive tobacco smoking is. I also want to give you some statistics. So for every young person who starts smoking, only one of those people will quit, and one of the remaining young smokers will end up dying from tobacco-related causes in the future. So, you know, that's really, really quite shocking when you Mm. think about it. So I think as a society, we really need to be doing everything that we can possibly do to stop teenagers from taking up smoking in the first place. Now, we've done other things around tobacco advertising. So, you know, we no longer um, allow people to advertise kind of and, you know, to promote cigarette smoking as being exciting or glamorous and safe. So for many years in the UK, we've stopped tobacco advertising at TVs, on sporting events, we have plain cigarette packaging. So we've done that. But I think this issue around how we get less young people to take up smoking is really important and it's something that we need to put more focus on.
5: Okay, how effective, in your view, have uh, these um, the, these efforts been? I mean, I'm talking about advertising. You've mentioned plain packaging. Have they really made an impact? Have they really made an effect?
2: They have made an impact, and you know, so they have. They wouldn't have been um, they wouldn't have been implemented if there wasn't some impact of doing it. And I think when you think about kind of um, big kind of big tobacco and things, the reason they've been so against um, having those restrictions is because they know that it works. So if you look at other countries, so not in the UK, where they're still allowed to advertise and they're still allowed to promote cigarette smoking and to promote it as being really glamorous and something that people want to do, they also have much higher smoking rates. So there is evidence that, you know, having these limitations and these restrictions do work. But I think we, we could do more than that in the UK. And I think that's where it comes down to thinking about what we can do in terms of raising the age limit of smoking from where it is now. So this raising the smoking age to 21, is, it's not about criminalizing smoking. So it's just being clear about that. It's actually about raising the legal smoking age from 18 to 21. So it's basically raising the legal minimum age that someone could buy cigarettes from 18, which is what it is now, to 21. Mm-hmm. And that's basically about restricting young people access, accessing cigarettes by making it illegal for an adult to sell cigarettes to or get cigarettes for anybody under the age of 21. Right. That's the, that's the intervention.
5: Okay. Now, there are certain countries, I seem to remember a report, uh, I think it was from Australia, that there is an initiative of raising the this age year by year, so that every you are therefore cutting a certain group off, getting cigarettes legally um, totally. Do you think yeah. that is a good initiative to follow?
2: Well, I mean, I think first staff we're trying to raise 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 the limit to twenty one, and I know in other places. They're even talking about, you know, raising it year by year Mm. to almost like 25. And I think, yes, it will will kind of make a big impact um, in terms of the number of people who are smoking. And I have some other interesting statistics. I like sharing statistics. Um, Just saying that in addition to the fact that I've said that most young people or most people who started smoking, sorry, started smoking when they were young people, so teenagers, um, we also have, you know, really good evidence to show that 69% of adult smokers want to quit, and even more, 75% of adult smokers, so three in four adult smokers, regret ever starting smoking. And I think that's really important to note as well. So, you know, we want to really stop young people from taking up smoking, because in addition to being harmful to their health and death, you know that you carry on smoking and really regret ever starting. Mm. So I think it's a really important to know that
5: about you made it very clear that uh, smoking is a habit that is acquired or started when uh, youngsters are teenagers. Uh, and there is a point later on in life when they start regretting ever starting smoking. What I was trying to get at is wh- what kind of age, how many years after they start, do they start regretting uh, starting, uh, getting into this habit in the first place? Well,
2: I don't have the actual age at which regret. <laughs> comes in. So I, I can't quote that, but it's from a survey of adult smokers where they've looked at it to find out how many people have regretted smoking. Mm-hmm. They do say 75% actually regretted ever starting. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's it's so difficult to quit and actually due to the negative effects they get from smoking as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned be, I mean, teenagers start. Have you actually looked at why they start and whether there is something that can be done uh, to address this issue through uh, combating that, that, uh, that kind of reason?
2: Well, in terms of, um, as I said, the, the biggest factor that's going to encourage young people to smoke is if they have friends that smoke or if they come from a family where they have parents that smoke. Mm-hmm. So it's basically kind of modelling behaviour that you're seeing around you as well. Um, and it's something about kind of social norms as well. So if you grow up in a family where your parents are smoking, then you're likely to smoke. And if you have peers that are smoking, then you're also more likely to smoke. So those are the kinds of, you know, really, those are the biggest factors in terms of um, impact in, on, on why people smoke.
5: Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what, um, in your view, is the most effective method in combating uh, this, this issue?
2: So I think that personally we need to all kind of keep going on about, keep banging on about the harms of cigarette smoking and how much as a society we all suffer from the burden of tobacco smoking. So in terms of the large numbers of preventable deaths and the high cost of smoking to the economy and to the NHS, for example. Um, I'll just mention that the government has an ambition to be smoke free by 2030 and in terms of raising awareness and, you know, getting people to stop smoking. We need to have proper investment in supporting communities to stop smoking, so including those communities that we know have the highest smoking rates. We also need to invest in and support interventions to help people to quit smoking. There are effective interventions out there. Um, so, for example, you know, nicotine replacement therapy and other, other medicines, which are very effective in getting people to quit. We need to invest in making sure that those are available for people. We also need to have interventions that kind of, you know, stop pregnant women from smoking. A lot of our young women, that when you look at um, young mothers, a lot of them tend to be smokers, so we need to have interventions to stop them from smoking as well. And we also need to continue to have smoke-free environments. So in our workplaces, NHS, you know, local authorities, we need to continue to promote smoke-free environments. So you don't have that kind of... Um, pressure people to smoke because pairs are smoking. So going mm. back to young people, it's really important that we continue to educate and support our young people. And this is where this legislation could potentially be really helpful. So, for example, if we raise the legal age of smoking from 18 to 21, then we're restricting access to cigarettes to our young people. And this could make a huge difference in terms of reducing smoking-related harms and death in the future. And then we can also raise awareness um, around smoking by supporting Health Awareness days. So, for example, there's a National smoking, No Smoking Day, which is held on the second Wednesday in March or something, I think, every year. And we can continue to support these events. So we need to make sure it's part of the conversation. We need to use all the tools that we have to kind of, you know, really support people to stop smoking. But more importantly... To prevent
5: people from taking up smoking in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, the intention is or the ambition is to make uh, UK smoke-free by 2030. What do you mean by that? How, what kind of percentage would we have to reach uh, in terms of the population of smoke to get to that smoke-free target?
2: Oh well, there's a lot of um, there's basically a lot of work. So the, the ambition, is, is that the government has said, is it's very ambitious. So they're saying we want to make smoking history um, by by 2030. So that's basically
5: is it zero percent? Zero percent of the population? <laughs> well, I think um, I didn't think that was the case. Smoke free means a certain percentage would so be tolerated.
2: it meant a certain it, it meant a certain percent. I'm just trying to just basically
5: mm-hmm. um,
2: look at actually what the smoke-free target is. Right. Um, so I'm just, just looking for that now. Okay, actually. okay, okay. So just enough to, just to, to give you uh, the numbers.
5: Mm-hmm. So
2: basically, it's, it's not 0%, mm-hmm. but they're basically saying that only 5% of the population would be smoking by then. So that's the figure that they're looking for.
5: Okay. And what's the current percentage? Do you know? Uh, any idea? So
2: overall, in terms of... Um, well, it's it's different according uh-huh. to different parts of England, and the UK, um, so Scotland, England, and different different parts of the UK right. in terms of the prevalence of smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, let's see, I think we have data from twenty twenty about thirteen to fourteen percent of adults smoking okay. cigarettes.
5: Okay, so we haven't got a long way to go, have we? Yeah, we have years. a long way. Hmm. So
2: to get to to. Um, 5%. There's quite a long way
5: mm-hmm. to go
2: in terms of what we need to do in terms of reducing smoking prevalence. But as I said, it's in terms of getting people who are currently smoking to stop smoking. You want to do that, but you definitely want to stop people from taking up smoking as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Now, in view of the damage that smoking causes, both to the individual and the impact adverse impact it makes on our economy and our society, what what is your view about taking a more draconian approach in stopping smoking and banning it, making it illegal? Why not go to that to that extent?
2: Well, that's actually quite um, controversial. Mm. As, you know, as a as a public health doctor, of course, you know, for if, if something. I, I mean, I always say that if smoking was something that was probably discovered now, it mightn't be legal to a certain extent. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of the harms and what we know about cigarette smoking. There are lots of factors that play here in terms of um, kind of the impact of, you know, decisions that the government has to make about the economy and things like that. They get a lot of tax revenues from smoking, although I would say that smoking costs the economy more in terms of the cost to people's health and the NHS than it probably does in tax revenues. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm not naive so I'm not going to say that, you know, any country is probably going to be able to ban smoking altogether. As a public health doctor, I would say that probably would be great if they did. But I don't think that that's going to happen because there are lots of other factors that kind of will come into to play. Mm. Um, and in the same way that, you know, other things that people use, for example, um, like alcohol isn't going to be banned. I don't think they're going to ban smoking mm. Um yeah okay
5: it's um, uh, uh, <laughs> a fair point you make uh, i think uh, from what you've said persuasion is better than uh, than using yes, exactly. using the stick yeah so to speak yes exactly um uh, i must say you've got you've you've got your work cut out and it's a worthy cause that you're working for and uh, it's something that uh, is very much and uh, needs to be appreciated so thank you very much for coming on and explaining uh, uh your uh your work. Um, one last question. How do you see the future? Do you think we would get to that uh, 5% uh, smoke-free in 2030? Is that, is that really realistic?
2: I think we can do. Do you remember there was a time when people thought that smoking would never be kind of, you know, not accept- never, that smoking ban that came in mm. in public places. There was a time when people thought this would never happen. I remember um, as a young adult at university, Hate going into pubs so when we were having kind of pub crawls and stuff because I'd come out stinking of cigarettes and it would be all over your hair and your clothes mm. and everything you mm. couldn't get rid of it. Going to a pub now to have to have dinner or something is a completely different experience mm. <laughs> now. Because you know, you're not having people smoking indoors and, and, and stuff there. So I do remember that people said that this would never happen and it did happen. So, you know, the public health physician have to be hopeful. Yeah. But yes, we will be able to do something about smoking because I mean, of smoking is it it is deadly, mm. it is harmful, and mm. so we definitely, as a society, need to do something to reduce our smoking prevalence. Yeah, just yeah. for the health of our people, the health of our
5: society. Certainly, certainly. No, but just something else that's copied into my mind. Uh, what do you think about this? What about the civil liberties aspect? The people who say, well, you know, it's it's our right. It's uh, you 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 infringing on our freedom by trying to persuade us not or stopping us smoking. We, if we want well, to smoke, why should not we be allowed to?
2: Because <laughs> that, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because there are other infringements in our civil liberties that we have. Mm. For example, you're not allowed to, to drink a certain amount of alcohol and then drive drunk or drive under the influence of drugs. So mm. somebody might say, oh, you're impinging on my civil liberties because mm. I have a right mm. to to, you know... But actually, you don't have a right if it's going to, to necessarily cause harm um, to someone else. Right. So, you know, also, you know, we do require people to, like, wear seatbelts when you're driving. Yeah. Um, Again, so, you know, your own protection yes. as well yeah. in terms of doing that. But you can argue, well, it's my right to decide I don't want mm. to wear a seatbelt if, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm in a car. But we do have, we do make, we do, we do. Um, say that I remember when I, I had my son in 2020, they wouldn't let us leave the premises if we didn't have a car seat in the car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. that where you know you you kind of you kind of have to do it. So um, yeah, in terms of so I know people kind of make that argument uh, saying that you know it's an infringement of liberties, but there are lots of things in a civilized society that we do mm. um, to basically protect you know people whether it's other people or to protect people themselves that we do, um, where that kind of, you know, civil liberties argument. Yeah.
5: No, no, certainly. No, no, I understand. I understand. I think you explained the point very well. I think there has to be a balance. Um, And, um, well, uh, as far as uh, your work is concerned, applaud what you're doing. Wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much for coming on to speak to us and elaborating elaborating on that issue. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture, understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. That was a pre-recorded interview um, by Kyla Thomas and she explained um, very well about benefits of exercise and, and, and health. Coming to the end of the, of the segment, um, just a few more points which I would like to put out there for our dear listeners, which is that studies show that exercise can treat mild to medium depression as effectively as antidepressant medication, but obviously without the side effects. Exercise promotes all kinds of good changes in the brain, including neural growth, reduced inflama- uh, inflammation and new activity patterns that promote feelings of calm and well-being. It releases um, chemicals in your brain that energize your spirit and make you feel good and calm. Exercise is a natural and effective anti-anxiety treatment. It diminishes your tension and stress, improves physical and mental energy, and increases well-being through the release of chemicals. Anything that gets you moving can help, but you'll get a bigger benefit if you pay attention instead of zoning out. Now, um, in regards to to, um, physical health, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he said that the habit of exercise is encouraged so that the human body gains activeness, agility, stamina and speed. The body parts remain trim, and welfare allowing the motivation of man to exceed, so it's not just um it's, it's, it, it you know physical health has has um an attachment with your spiritual health at the same time um the promised messiah the the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, he summarized that the Holy Quran laid stress on on physical cleanliness and and Postures and their regulations in relation to all worship, and inner purity and spiritual humility. Reflection confirms that physical conditions deeply affect the soul. Um, the 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 holy prophet of Islam, um, you know, is, is, is reported that he said, "He who begins his day secure as to his life in good physical condition." And possessing one day's provision, is as if the world and all it contains were bestowed upon him. So, um, this also reminds me of a um, of a incident from 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 the life of of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. While um, it is narrated by his wife, um, Hazrat Aisha, while he was uh, w- w- while she was on a journey along with the Messenger of Allah. Um, she says that I had a race with him, and I outstripped him on my feet. When I became fleshy again, I had a race with him. The Prophet, uh, I had I had a race with the Prophet, and he outstripped me. He said, "This is for that outstripping." This shows that how um, even the, the the holy founder of of uh, Islam was actively fit, um, and he he you know he was. He was well enough, and he always was uh, right till 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 the end of his uh, you know blessed life. He was he was actively fit. Um, the 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 promised Messiah. He has also you know prescribed the 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 holy founder of, of the Ahmadi Muslim community. He has uh, prescribed the best method to to maintain a normal weight, which is that stop eating when there is still more uh, when there is still some hunger, and eat simple foods. Avoid spicy and fatty foods. Try to do your own chores. Keep a habit of walking at a fast pace and offer daily prayers. Dear listeners, I hope um, today's segments were beneficial for us all. Um, I would like to take time to uh, thank our producer, Waleed Ahmed, um, researchers, Hania Saiba, Zoya and Kanta, And our tech team, Aqib Ibn Adnan, and my co-host Ali Khan. Um, Thank you for listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.